have a message to bring to you about forgiveness today. And um, it's pretty special doing a forgiveness message straight after communion. And um, that psalm just speaks into forgiveness so beautifully. And early on when it says, um, he forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. And I want to just share with you how blessed I have been in this last few minutes. Jackie, your voice (laughs) is just beautiful and I'm so glad God watched over you. And um, I know your voice is going to bless a lot of other people in the future. But to have this beautiful voice singing out behind me, worthy is the Lamb. I hope our souls are awake this morning. That's what it's all about, coming to church, being in his presence, speaking to our very souls. And um, his word speaks to our souls. And I pray that what I share with you today will touch your soul with where you need it to be touched. So um, forgiveness. Do we have a... Oh, yes, I don't have one up the back. That's okay. I'll just turn my head around and check every so often. Um, And we can move on to the next one. Um, This verse in Luke 22, 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This prayer is the first of Jesus' seven sayings from the cross. And it shows so much of Jesus' heart of love and mercy and his knowledge that Father God is all about loving restoration. Grenville's already read John 3.16. As followers of Jesus... Forgiveness becomes part of our DNA too. It's so precious. It's such a precious spiritual interaction to receive. Um, And it's something that we can give. So as we walk in forgiveness, it honours the amazing gift of life and forgiveness that we have received. It's such a mystery this coming to the foot of the cross and letting things down and accepting forgiveness. Jesus on the cross somehow took into himself all the sin and all the evil of all of humanity and redeemed it. We don't really understand it, but it's an incredible spiritual transaction that happened. Theologians for years have tried to explain it. Paul in the Epistle to Corinthians says, um, For our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we go from sin to being able to step into that abundant life. the righteousness of God. It is such an amazing transaction. We've already sung a happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. It's an incredible, it's an incredible experience to understand personal forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is very, very key in Jesus' teaching and um, stand a place in the prayer that he taught his disciples. We read, Our Father, In heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. I wake up each morning and look at that lovely cross stitch that a friend of my mum's did for our wedding. And it just, in the old language of the prayer, it is just beautiful to... There is so much in that prayer that Jesus took his, taught his disciples. But as we recognise, central in that prayer is forgive us as we forgive others. We also know that um, at its simplest, this forgiveness, forgiveness needs to be our way of life. Um, that next slide talks about the, the passage in Ephesians where it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And very simply, right at the top there, that God's words edition from the Lord's Prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. So it's whether it's sins, whether it's debts, whether it's trespasses. It's just a simple thing. We ask for forgiveness, we forgive others. Um, Peter asked Jesus the question, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And apparently in the Jewish time, the consensus was that people were expected to forgive three times. So um, just three. So Peter was actually thinking he was being incredibly generous by saying, you know, should we forgive people seven times? And um, depending on which version you have, apparently it depends whether it translates from the Subjugant or the Hebrew, you might have 77 times or seven times 70, which is equals 490. So it's not three, it's not seven, it's not 77 or 490. But in 1 Peter 1.8, I love this. He, Peter says, love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So I think the multitude captures Jesus' heart. It's not a small number. Forgiveness is just something we need to do and do and do. You know, at the recent All For Him conference that um, a lot of us were really blessed by the call to unity that was so much part of the theme of the conference. And um, Part of that call of unity was to think about how we actively bless other Christian brothers and sisters. And Carolyn, thank you so much for praying that in your prayer this morning. That's our heart, that we want to have blessing over and over and over in every Christian community, in every Christian family. Now, it's so easy for us to hear things. I was really challenged at the conference that I hear grumbles, I hear 
people say things that make me think, Christians shouldn't do that. They should know better. That shouldn't happen in a church or that shouldn't happen in a Christian community. But it does. And, and we do hear things. But that's not walking a walk of restoration. You know, sin is sin and whether it's small or big, it needs to be addressed. And there's a path to restoration. But it really doesn't help for the whole Christian community to be gossiping about things or noticing when other people are, well, they're not being blessed because they're doing such and such. It's just not a healthy attitude. And so the call to sincerely pray blessing into everybody else is really very, very powerful. Um, and it, when I think about the reminder to bless, um, it reminds me that we all knowingly and sometimes, sometimes unknowingly, sometimes knowingly cause offence. Um, whether it's a big way or a small way. Um, but we can choose to dwell on that or we can choose to instead pray blessing into that situation, um, letting it go and earnestly praying for blessing as we yearn for his kingdom to come. So it's a significant shift. And um, so ultimately, what is forgiveness? Let it go. <laughs> it's, um, it's a familiar phrase from a particular kids' movie. Um, but to forgive, um, the Greek word that's used, and I think you pronounce it something like aphiomi, um, simply means to set free, to let go, to release. It's used in different set settings and it can mean to abandon. It's almost as if to leave behind and be done with in order to get on with another thing. Um, and what a beautiful imagery we have in that psalm that Carolyn read earlier, you know, as far as the east is from the west. That's a pretty big distance that God's prepared to let things go. Are we prepared to do that? Are we prepared to let things go as far as the... East is from the West. Um, so that concept of letting it go at the foot of the cross, not to wallow, not to dwell on it, to let it go, accepting what Jesus has done, to be able to go forward and walk in kingdom living in that, in that abundant life and bless others in a really straightforward manner. The verse from Micah 7, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression, transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. So isn't that amazing visual imagery? We've got east to west, trampled underfoot, hurled into the sea. It's not something, we don't need to hold on to things. The whole letting it go is so, so important. There's a quote from Nelson Mandela as he was um, leaving prison. 
He says, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. There's another quote that's not up there that Augustine of Hippo um, apparently said, resentment, that's holding on to hate and bitterness, is like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. It's fairly pointless really, isn't it? Because the poison of, of bitterness and resentment eats away at our souls but often it doesn't do much for the person that we're resentful towards. So it, it is ultimately such a pointless exercise. But yet, it's human nature, we do it. So the real challenge to be able to honestly forgive is really very powerful. Um, so what does looking, letting go of bitterness, hatred and resentment look like? Um, this quote about what forgiveness is actually about, it's a voluntary decision to acknowledge the offence, to move through the resultant feelings, set aside the resentment, release the anger so that you may move on with your life. And that's a... A definition that's been used more and more in psychological circles, and those steps are now being taught. You know, forgive, the concept of forgiveness is a gift that Christianity has given to the psychological community, really. It's now talked about much more openly as an important psychological process to work through, and this is that's a summary of that there. But there's we have another whole layer. There's a, there's a transformation that happens on a spiritual level with forgiveness. The other part of that um, statement is important and we certainly teach that when we teach into forgiveness. You need not condone, excuse, forget or even re-establish a relationship with a perpetrator. It's really important stuff. You know, in our more New Mornings Grief Support Program, forgiveness is a really key topic in one of the weeks. And we teach that to forgive is to heal. Forgiveness is the way we move from anger and hurt to restoring harmony to our lives. To forgive is an action. On the journey from inquiry to serenity, Forgiving is the act of consciously deciding to let go, to acknowledge the past, recognise reality, identify anger and hurt, mourn the losses and move on. It actually doesn't need the cooperation of the person being forgiven. Forgiveness frees your time energy and attention from the resentments which keep you stuck in the past, whether distant or recent. And there are some qualifications, you know. Forgiveness does not mean condoning the action of a perpetrator of abuse. It doesn't mean thinking the behaviour was okay. It doesn't mean necessarily forgetting. 
it doesn't mean pardoning without consequence, especially if doing so would allow more damage to occur. It doesn't mean that reconciliation is necessary if there has been no church, no, no change and hurt would be ongoing. You know, it breaks my heart to recognise that it, I think it amounts to spiritual abuse sometimes to hear that somebody who has been in an incredibly difficult domestic violence situation has been told you have to forgive him, go back. Now, there's... There's a, there's a process, there's all sorts of things and there's individual choices, but it's really important that we don't get that muddled up. Forgiveness is letting go for healthy walking into life. You know, God is a God of restoration and reconciliation, but he's not about sending people into abusive, controlling situations. But unfortunately, that's sometimes been said in the name of in the name of faith. This process of forgiveness is actually really complex, and and people find it hard. What should be simple, um, and often. For people who are struggling with forgiveness, often Christian counsellors, pastors and psychologists are often part of the support on a healing journey. But I want to encourage you with a story that I continue to find inspiring when forgiveness seems too hard, yet God can still transform. And many of us heard um, Corrie Ten Boom's testimony herself um, from the the Alpha Live um, video clips that some of us watched. But, you know, Corrie Ten Boom, author of The Hiding Place, was a a Dutch woman who was taken captive and spent time in Nazi concentration camps during World War II because her family, with their heart for God's people, the Jewish people, the settled heart of love, had had hidden um, Jews in their house. After the war, God sent Corrie on a mission of mercy through the war-torn cities to encourage residents to choose forgiveness over bitterness. Um, She would share some of the horrible atrocities that she had experienced and seen, including the death of her dear sister. And the implication was that if she could forgive with all of those horrible things that had happened, so could her listeners. So it was a real encouragement and she saw it as what God had um, told her to do. One night as she was speaking, she recognised a man who came walking down the aisle towards her as one of the particularly cruel guards in the camps. The man did not recognise her, um, And as he approached Corrie, he said, Fraulein, you don't know me, but I was a guard in one of those camps. After the war, God saved me. I wish I could go back and undo those years. I can't. But I've just been prompted by God to come tonight and ask, would you please forgive me? Then he extended his hand to her. Can you imagine the horrible thoughts and memories 
that raced through Corrie's mind as she recognised his face and even worse, heard his incredible plea for forgiveness. How could she? Corrie said she describes that moment as her arms were frozen to her side and she was literally unable to move. The flashbacks in her mind replaying the atrocities, the death of her sister, the abuse. And then she sensed God's spirit say to her, Corrie, what have you been telling everyone else to do? As an act of your will, will you choose to forgive? Corrie went on to explain what happened next. She reached out her hand, put it in his and said, you're forgiven. She was able later to describe that it was like a dam broke loose. All the bitterness and resentment and God set her free. It's a beautiful description that there's a spiritual transaction that occurs when we listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and walk in obedience. That's the tough forgiving of really, really tough situations. What most people often have most difficulty with is accepting forgiveness themselves. Even if we believe God has forgiven us, sometimes it's hard to walk in that forgiveness and accept forgiveness ourselves. So John 1.9 is just such a beautiful promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Guilt can be a very heavy burden keeping people trapped in the mistakes of the past and preventing positive choices for the future. You know, as Christians, we know that we are assured of forgiveness. Christ, through his death on the cross, that amazing transaction that happened, somehow he paid the penalty for our sin. So this is the basis of our salvation, But salvation is both an event and a process. We don't just confess once and then that's it. Because we we need to just keep confessing and bringing things to God and accepting his forgiveness. It's not so much that we lose our salvation. I'm not saying that. Once we're saved, we're saved. But we can get trapped in having our lives stolen from us, really. So this ongoing confession is a step to walk in the abundance of life that we are called to. You know, there are all sorts of um, things that people have written about, ways to examine our lives and look if there are attitudes that we have that are not helpful or are there things that we've done. Um, I think I've referred to once before, John Wesley had 22 questions in his holiness club that they would um, ask, have 
looking at attitudes of pride or a range of different things and looking at asking and analysing is there anything that's there's any bitterness there that needs dealing with. But sometimes I think our challenge is actually to examine in such a way that asks, what am I not doing that you've given me strength to do? What am I not walking in? So we sometimes focus on impersonal confessions, the sins that we've done. We might think at the end of the day, I spoke harshly to such and such. I need to confess that to you, Lord, and make amends when the time is appropriate with that person. Or sometimes we forgive, we confess things that it's not appropriate to make amends about. It's just something that we need to acknowledge before God. But what about the things that we don't do out of fear? The times that we're not stepping into what God is asking us to do. Um, we were thinking at, at leadership team on, on Monday night about the parable of the talents. And we know the story, uh, the fellow who had five talents put it to good use and had five more to pass on. The person who had two had put it to good work and had two more talents to give. And the person who had one talent said, I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. So I think it's a challenge for us to think not only when we come to the Lord in confession and wanting to honestly bring things to the foot of the cross, not to wallow in them, not to beat ourselves up, but to just lay them down so that we can then walk in the wholeness and step into what he has for us in the kingdom. Bring those attitudes of fear that might be holding us back. And you know, that can be individually. I have a sense that sometimes that's a collective thing for church communities too, that it's important for us to think about what fears we might have collectively that stop releasing the move of God in our midst. What stops us laying things down so that we can walk in our giftings and everything that God has for us and to have his spirit move mightily amongst us here at UBC. I think um, to close, I might just take this time to pray publicly and if there's stuff that's happening for you that God has touching your heart about, either something that you need to ask for forgiveness for, or if it's brought up something that you want to talk through with somebody you trust, um, do come forward and ask for prayer or find somebody that you trust later to talk about or to, to ask for prayer. But I'll invite you just to pray with me now. Father, Jesus prayed to you on the cross all those years ago. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
Father, we thank you that you are such a loving, gracious, forgiving Father. We know you are holy and somehow in that transaction on the cross, you allowed Jesus to be sin for us individually, to cover the sins that we have committed and omitted. Father, you have also, in that transaction on the cross, allowed forgiveness for all of the offences. However atrocious they are, Father, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that. But Father, I ask that you will speak to our souls, that you will open up to our awareness things that we need to release and be released from. Father, we thank you for the amazing gift of forgiveness. Father, help us to walk freely without holding on to things that do us no good to hold on to and simply drag us down. May we walk forward knowing that we are sons and daughters who have been given an amazing place to walk in your kingdom and bless people around us because of the blessings we have received. So Father, I pray that you will continue to work in us, that you will mould us and shape us to be people whose DNA is just made up with forgiveness and love and wanting to bless others and not holding on to hurts or resentment or gossip or grudges. Father, help us be um, children of light and may we be your salt and your light in our, in our homes, in our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, in our community groups, in our church and amongst other churches as well. Father, thank you for your amazing gift of love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.